Welcome, weary travelers, to the great big universe of Excess Press. This is a weekly podcast to bring you the news of the Disney theme parks and resorts. Witness for yourselves the wonders of Excess Press. And now, let's begin. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Excess Press. My name is Matt and I'm the host of this Disney theme parks news podcast. This is episode 29 where we once again bring you another episode of Interview with a Cast Member. So today we are speaking with Eric and he'll be talking about his time working for Walt Disney World during the Disney College program. And uh, it's it's we're gonna have a fun conversation today. He uh, he he moved around from park to park here and there during his role uh, working food and beverage, uh, and he had a lot of great stories and, and more insights and experiences to share. So I'm excited to bring you today's episode. So you know why don't we just uh, cut the intro short and just jump right into it? So let's begin this week's episode of the Excess Press podcast. All right, well, welcome back to another episode of Interview with a Cast Member. Today, we have Eric from New York. How are you doing today, Eric? Hi, Matt. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem at all. I'm, I know it's close to the holidays and you're probably busy, but I appreciate you taking the time and coming out on the show. Yes, of course. All right, well, you ready to talk some Disney today? Yes, I am. I always am. <laughs> all right, excellent. Well, you gave me some some prep uh, of, of what you did in the parks before before we start on the show but before we get to like your role as a cast member uh i want to know like how were you introduced to the parks did you go a lot when you were a kid did you discover it as a teenager how, how did you get introduced to the parks so i only went to the parks once when i was about eight years old i went to um disneyland in california um we were visiting my uncle at the time and he took me and my sister and my family for the day so I was really young at the time, so I don't remember too much, but that was my only experience visiting the parks prior to me working for them um, about f- 12 years later. So did you did, did you like the parks after, after you went during that time? Or how did you, like, how did you, how did you kind of get introduced time. to the Disney College program? Or yeah, how did you fall in love with Disney to make you want to do the program? Um, Every kid, to my you know, to my knowledge, loves Disney to a certain extent, and you know, I was no different at eight, eight years old. It wasn't the best experience, only in the sense that I was eight, and that I was either too big for some of the rides that I wanted to do, or too small 
for other ones and i was afraid of things like heights and such so like roller coasters were completely out of the picture but um in terms of the disney college program my friend actually linked me i think i was about 16 so about eight or so years later saying hey did you know we know you love disney did you know you could work there when you're in college and i was like what are you talking about and she linked me to the disney college program and that's where i kind of got hooked on to wanting to go back and working there um, I had been a Disney fan for as long as I can remember, and finding this out was just kind of a dream come true. Finding out that I could work there, earn college credit, gain experiences there. So the minute I got into college, I started signing up for it. Wow, that's that's kind of cool. That uh, I mean, it's crazy that you only went once, but then you had a whole different experience where you go from going once we were eight years old and then just working directly at the parks. <laughs> so that, yeah, that's kind of a cool transition. So when you were in college, did you do this after you graduated or was it uh, during school? So um, I did both programs during school. I was actually rejected about five times before I actually got the first um, acceptance. Oh no. 2012. So um, I I was um, really determined to get in, and I'm, I, after the about the fourth rejection, I was a little, um, I guess, disheartened. I was like, maybe they're never going to take me at all. But finally, after the fifth time, I finally got my first um, acceptance into the program. And I remember getting that letter saying, congratulations, you've been accepted, and me just tearing up after trying so hard for a good one and a half years after starting college to get in. It was... It was one of the best things I remember receiving in the mail. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I've, I've definitely heard that it is actually pretty competitive um, and that it is tough to tough to get into at times. But it's it's I mean, that's great that you were able to kind of persevere and just keep uh, keep applying, applying and I guess maybe putting a little pressure on Disney for you to get that role. <laughs> but um, so cool. So as so, when you applied and when you got this, uh, when you got the first internship, what? So what year was this exactly? This was two thousand and twelve. Okay, and then what year in college uh, were you at that time? I was in my third year of college at this point. Okay, cool. All right, so I know um, when you apply for it, you kind of have to pick like different roles that you might want to be. So what were the roles that you were interested in? So after doing all the research and speaking to other kids at my college who had done the program, I went with the route where I just applied for everything and anything that I could. Um, you know, a lot of people say that's probably the safest bet. If you limit yourselves to what options you want to apply for, that kind of limits your window of opportunity to get into the program. So I literally just went for everything that I could. Okay, cool. So, so when you finally got the internship, what role did you end up getting? So I ended up going into food and beverage because that was mostly my background. When they accept you into the program, they really do go based off of what, you know, prior work experience you've had up until that point. So, you know, customer service, food and beverage, if you've worked in restaurants or anything like that, that all plays factors into what they might put you into. And seeing as I've had prior restaurant experience, they um, naturally threw me into food and beverage. Okay. So what kind of restaurant uh, experience did you have uh, in the past? At the past, I had worked at country clubs, working in their snack bars. I had worked at Buffalo Wild Wings for a little bit, too. So they just, you know, anything, they will always need bodies for food and beverage. So the minute they see food and beverage on your resume, they're more likely going to throw you into that position. Oh, cool. So, yeah, I know, I know sometimes with food and beverage, it could be anywhere from uh, maybe working a snack cart in 
in Hollywood studios or like being like a waiter over at Victoria and Albert's. Um, so where, so where on the spectrum did you, did you land? So I was assigned to Blizzard Beach Water Park, and I was assigned quick service food and beverage. So I was working Lotto Lotto Lodge, um, the ice cream carts, um, those type of food food locations. Awesome. Okay. Um, so yeah, before before we get, I want I definitely want to know more about your role and what you did. Um, I'm I'm kind of curious. How was your transition from uh, being in college? Uh, and then, I mean, you're essentially kind of taking like a semester off and going to work for Disney. So how was that transition for you? And uh, maybe how, like, how did your parents feel? I just, I know sometimes going during school is, is a tough time. So how was, how was that for you? Um, it really wasn't that bad for me personally. I was caught up with my grades. So taking a semester off wasn't really going to set me back in terms of graduation or anything like that. I was pretty um, good about keeping that steady. Um, my parents were very excited for me because they knew I had been trying for so hard. So once they heard the news that I finally got in, they were very much all for it. Um, they were they were only hesitant in the sense that I've never been that far away from home, you know, traveling from New York to Florida for that extended amount of time. But, you know, I feel like at some point in any person's life, you kind of have to go through that. Oh, awesome. Okay. Well, I mean, that's that's good to hear that you had the support and that you were all set to go. So. Uh, cool. So how was when you moved to Florida? How was I mean, how was that? Because you said you I guess you never moved away before. I assume you went to school locally. So how was that move to Florida uh, and then going into uh, the dorms? That, well, I shouldn't say dorms. I guess the apartments down there. Um, I I went to a um, off off site school. So I was about my school was about located about three hours away from my home. But I was still within New York State. So I was still able to go home if I had wanted to. Um, so that really wasn't that big of a transition. I was already on my own at school, doing my own thing. I knew how to more or less take care of myself. The only difference was I'm taking myself, you know, from New York all the way down to the humidity that is Florida. <laughs> so that was a yeah. bit of investment. It was also, um, I went to a small SUNY school. So this was, you know, moving with and living with other kids around my age on a much larger scale than I had um, ever imagined. So that was a bit of a... A transition for me in terms of that okay did you know anyone down there when you um when you um, started my first program no when i did my second program there were a couple of other kids from my school that went with me okay cool um all right so so yeah now that you're down in florida you have you have your role you went through traditions uh what was like the the training for food and beverage like uh what did you have to do i mean i'm, I'm sure they have pretty intense sanitary uh, uh, restrictions or I don't know. So tell me a bit about that in your, of your training. Sure. So in terms of food and beverage, um, cause I've worked in multiple food locations before the training I was receiving wasn't anything new or groundbreaking that I received except for what they were expecting in terms of the guest interaction. So as you know, Disney is well known for being the top place in terms of customer service and guest interaction. So that was definitely a lot new because my roles before in terms of food and beverage were more back of the house dealing with other cooks and such. I was never really so much front of the house type of guys. So they pretty much whipped you into shape for that. You know, always have a smile on you. Always maintain and seem approachable for the guests. Always keep an eye out for guests that may be in need. Those were things that I learned a lot when I was down there working food and beverage. 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, that definitely makes sense. It's, it's, I guess, yeah, it's great that you had all that experience already, but yeah, really they do, they do need you to be on top of your toes with your customer service. No, they, so. they really, really do. <laughs> um, well, I guess it's kind of cool that you, you worked, um, I'm bl- sorry, Blizzard Beach, correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it, it, I guess it's good that you worked at Blizzard Beach because you kind of had like a set day. I mean, you pr- did you work pretty much open to close? Because aren't isn't the park usually open only open from like nine to five or nine to six? Yeah. So I think the latest we ever really closed with at the time was around six o'clock. So in terms of what other cast members, other college programs had to deal with, my hours were actually pretty decent. You know, I was in early, I was out early enough where I could, if I wanted to, I could still go to one of the other parks that were open late and enjoy myself, or I could still go catch dinner for myself. I had roommates um, at the time who were working at Hollywood Studios Outdoor Food and Beverage, and, you know, sometimes they wouldn't get home until like 11 or 12 o'clock at night. Yeah. So it was pretty good in terms of the hours that I had. However, that did change halfway through my program because... For some people don't know that the water parks close down for the season. They will usually close one water park down and keep the other one open. So when I was there in 2012, it was Blizzard Beach's time to be closed down for the season, and they kept um, Typhoon Lagoon open for the season. So I was reassigned and transferred to Hollywood Studios. I mean, not Hollywood Studios, I'm sorry. I was transferred to Magic Kingdom Stands West. So my hours became very different when I was there. Oh, interesting. Okay. Um, all right. Well, so we'll transition to that soon because I, that's, that's new and I want to, I want to get to that. So, so bef- before we move there with, was Blizzard, with Blizzard Beach. Um, so tell me about like a, like a typical day that you would, you would work at Blizzard Beach. Um, I was usually in around, I'm going to say early afternoon. So like around 11 or 12. So you would come off the bus cause we have buses at the apartments that Disney houses for the college programs that would come pick you up and take you to your location on Disney properties. Um, You would clock in and depending on what time you were there, there was usually like a pre-morning shift. Most locations, no matter what you work, whether it's retail, food and beverage, attractions, have a pre-shift that you go through where they tell you what events might be happening for the day, the volume to be expected, um, any special holidays that might be affecting how the park might be working, usually what capacity you're at, weather was also a big thing too, especially for the water parks. Um, and then from there, that pretty much sets you up to how busy or slam you're going to be. Um, certain days, for example, we um, Disney gets a lot of tourism from Brazil. So there were certain days that like we knew we were getting hit hard from the Brazilian tour groups that we knew we kind of had to be in our A game for if we wanted to more or less survive the day. Yeah, they are they're very infamous in the uh, the Disney community. No one <laughs> no no one wants to be around when they are. <laughs> Brazilian tour season that much. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, okay. Yeah. So did the, did the parks get busy a lot or like what, were there busier days and others like where the weekends get busier? Cause I, I mean, I find myself as a, as an adult, I don't go to the water parks at all anymore. I'd rather just spend my time going to the other parks. Um, so were there were busy days? Um, the summer, yes, because we were essentially working peak season that is meant for water parks, more or less. Um, so for when I was there, it was pretty much, we were slammed a lot. I would say maybe at the beginning of the week, it was a little bit calmer. But when I say calmer, I'm like, think of a non-Disney water park location and think of what might that be on a busy day. 
or a slow day. Now, for us, a slow day is like, oh, I don't know, I'm just going to throw a number. See, it's like 10,000 people within the water park. Whether or not that's an accurate number of what the water park can hold, I'm not, don't hold me to that. <laughs> but, um, so, like, say a slow day is 10,000 people, while, like, a busy day is, say, I don't know, 15 or 20,000 people within the park. Even though it's slow for us, it's still a lot busier than what other locations are used to when you look at the numbers in that sense. So yeah, like the beginning of the week would be a little bit slower, but towards the middles, especially weekends, we were constantly slammed up until about the end of August when the season started to die down. Okay. All right. That, that's, that makes sense. Okay, cool. So, um, when you were working at, at, uh, Blizzard beach, were you able to create like any magical moments while you're working food and beverage? Um, so in terms of magical moments as far as food and beverage goes it's a little tricky i know other cast members have a little more leeway in terms of how they can do magical moments there's not really too much you can do in terms of food only because you know you're not you know like a magical moment for say a food and beverage cast member would be um maybe giving away food like a mickey ice cream bar or a beverage or something like that, which I in the in the long run of magical moments I've heard of isn't isn't a lot or that impressive. Yeah. But if you catch it at the right time, it can be for the guests. So for example, if say a little a child or even an adult were to drop say their Mickey ice cream bar, you know, odds are the child's gonna start crying right there. One of us, if we can catch it, and if we have the approval from um, our manager or any coordinator that's around us, we can go up and present them with a new Mickey ice cream one and saying, oh, this is especially for Mickey Mouse or this is especially from Tinkerbell just for you. We hope you have a great day. You know, some little things like that while in the grand scheme of magical moments can still enhance a guest experience okay gotcha all right cool um so yeah let's um is there anything else you'd like to share about blizzard beach otherwise i mean we can trans uh we can transition over to to over to magic kingdom where you were kind of at once blizzard beach closed and you moved over there anything else about blizzard beach so there's a rivalry between the Blizzard Beach cast members and Typhoon Lagoon. Oh, that's it's hilarious. Pretty much known, but you know, considering we're the only two water parks, we do have a rivalry. Sure, Typhoon Lagoon has a pretty cool wave pool, and they've got the whole, you know, sunken ship pirate and swimming with the sharks type of thing. But in all honesty, Blizzard Beach is where it's at. Um, the the cast members there I met, we instantly became family. And while we're not as cool or epic as typhoon lagoon i'm still with ice skater all the way yeah don't worry i'm i'm with you i'm i'm blizzard beach when i was younger i we would always go to blizzard beach i mean i love summit plummet i mean right nothing and compares to it we have the obstacle course too i mean typhoon yes. has the wave pool and like a slide cool but we have a pretty pretty bomb obstacle course over there yeah see i've never big i've, I've never been into wave pools because i mean you you grew up in new york uh, and I grew up in New Jersey and I have the ocean. So when I see those waves and I see a wave pool, I'm like, all right, I'm, this doesn't impress me. I have like, the, I have the shore over here. Like this is like, I mean, I'm sure if you were to go like into the Florida oceans, it'd be a different experience too. But you're right. When you see those synthetic waves, you're like, this is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm freaking out about. Exactly. Um, cool. So, so when, so when exactly did they close down, uh, Blizzard Beach uh, and make the, you make, you made the transition? I want to say this was probably middle to end of September because when I transferred to Magic Kingdom, I transferred right in the middle of when the Halloween parties were going on. 
Okay. Yeah, that would make sense then. Okay, so so what did so where did you transition to again? So I was moved over to Stan's West Magic Kingdom. So Stan's West Magic Kingdom incorporates um, Liberty Square, Frontierland, and Adventureland in terms of their food and beverage operations. Okay, so you would move around all the time, or how did that work? So yeah, so they do, um, depending on where you're assigned, they do move you around. I was mostly located within Liberty Square and um, Frontierland. Those were the two sections that I would normally cover. I never um, got to work in Adventure. I never got, I was never personally assigned in Adventureland, but I did pick up shifts in Adventureland because that was part of my home base location. So what, so what did you exactly do? Did you work in like the restaurants, the snack carts? What did you do? Uh, I did the snack carts. I was I was on um, quick service food and beverage. So so I most of most of my shifts were over at Sleepy Hollows. So you know the funnel cakes and the waffles. Yes. Um, they have yeah. a churro ice cream sandwich now. Did you see that? It's new, but I'm I'm disappointed because the best sandwich that we had there was the honey um, sriracha chicken sandwich. What? That oh. thing was the best. Oh. oh my god, I missed that sandwich so much. And I, I I thought they just had desserts there. I didn't realize. No, 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 no. They had savory waffle sandwiches too. So they had like a ham and prosciutto one. They had the um the chicken one I just told you about. And oh god, what else did they have? They had uh they had the Nutella waffle too. But that that chicken sandwich was by far the best one. So essentially, from what I was told, I don't know if this is 100% true, is that they bought the spicy, crispy chicken from Burger King. They bought like the uneven pieces that Burger King <laughs> sell in, in the restaurants. Um, so we would buy the uneven pieces. Um, we would coat it within a honey sriracha glaze, and we would put a broccoli slaw on top of that, and we would place that on a waffle. Oh my. That sounds so good. It was amazing. And they just recently, um, I was following a, a previous coordinator who became a then manager. And about a year or two ago, they retired it from the menu. And I was just heartbroken. I was able to eat it one last time when I went and visited for New Year's in 2015, going to 2016. But still, knowing that they took that away just hurts so much. I did not know that they had that. That's so upsetting. Well, I mean, now now that I'm doing this podcast, I follow food much more closely because I know, like, all the food that's happening at the park. So, like, I already have lists for the next time I go, like, what I need to try. But I had no idea. Like, I wasn't following at the time. I had no idea that the sandwiches existed. And um, that, was, that was the best sandwich. I can't yeah. imagine. I mean, you know, just off the, off the record sort of-ish. I can't tell you how many times me and other cast members were sneaking bits of that chicken. And, like... <laughs> for coordinators and managers just you know for the fear of us getting fired yeah. but that chicken was so worth it that's so funny so b- before i move on side question have you gone to homecoming yet uh chef arthur smith's homecoming i've actually never been to one of the homecomings and i really would like to one day okay so the the best thing on the menu um is they have this chicken it's an appetizer it's a chicken on a biscuit and they have, I forget the glaze exactly, but it was like, it was the best thing that we ate out of our entire meal. And they were phenomenal. So if you ever go to Homecoming, make sure you get like the chicken sandwiches, like the chicken sandwich sliders as an appetizer. So done. Like I've just, I've, I've seen some of the Homecomings they did. I think the last one was a Haunted Mansion one. And I really wish I could have gone to that one. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, all right. Where were we? I got, I could talk about food all day. Um, <laughs> Uh, okay, so yeah, you're working. Uh, you were working at Magic Kingdom. So, 
when when you weren't working, what did you what did you like to do? Because it seemed like you had your evenings free uh, when you're working at Blizzard Beach. So what did you like to do on your your, your spare time? So because this, so this was 2012, so this was me experiencing Disney World for the first time. And, you know, prior to the college program, I had done all the research and read all the books and followed what few blogs were available back in 2012 um, that showed me and told me anything to do about Disney. And, you know, heading down there, I was like, well, I know everything now. I know where I need to go and what I can do and stuff like that until I got there. And I realized how big Disney World really is. I believe I read somewhere that Disney World is twice the size of Manhattan, which you don't really get that scope of how large and encompassing it is. Like twice size of Manhattan. I'm not talking about just the theme parks. I'm talking about they own highways, they own roads, they own bridges. They have their own postal system and their own zip codes. They have their own fire department, their police force. I'm just like, wow, this is like a self-sustaining, you know, I mean, it, I mean, it, 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 it is a city because I think it has the third largest bus transportation in the United States. I think it's, uh, I think it's New York, San Francisco, and then, uh, Disney world. Like it's a city. I mean, it essentially is a city. It is. And it doesn't feel like it if you're a guest, but when you're working behind the scenes, you realize how much of a city it really is in the background. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. You guys see way. You guys have access to way more than we do. I, I, I was just everything that I saw. It, it was it was definitely very um um overwhelming, and I wasn't expecting it to be that overwhelming. So when I got there in 2012, after you know getting over the shock of how little I actually knew in the grand scheme of things. Um, I made it my mission to explore everything and anything that I could. So while a lot of the other college programmers were, you know, do, do, um, going off-site, seeing Florida and going to the beaches and stuff like that, I made it my mission to ride as many of the rides as possible, see as many of attractions and special events. Um, in 2012, was it 2012 or 2014? Oh, gosh. Um, I've eaten at, I'm probably mixing up the programs just because there was so much that I did in between two of them. <laughs> no worries at all the restaurants at Epcot in terms of the International Pavilion. I've tried and eaten at most of the really high ranking and even some of the lower ranking restaurants. Um, you know, I've tried to do everything and anything that I could just to basically cross it off my giant bucket list. What would you say is your favorite restaurant that you've you've been to down there? So up until so i was just at disney world back in september to celebrate my sister's 21st when in 2012 i turned 21 so i celebrated um you know the natural way by going around the world in epcot of course i wanted to share that with my sister because she had just turned 21 this past september so i took her down to disney world and we did the same thing too um up until that point my favorite rush up until recently my favorite restaurant at disney world is a tie because one technically isn't a restaurant one is high tea at the grand floridian so i love their tea time i love the tea section that they have there and the sandwiches that you get there i hear it's i hear it's fantastic like i i really want to do this one time i've done it at least six times and every single time it's it's just it's just wonderful every single time all right well now next time i definitely have to do it because yes. yeah. i highly recommend high tea if you can okay and then in terms of restaurant wise i was a huge fan of um of um 
Um, so I think San Angel in Mexico, the, not the one inside the pyramid, the one outside of the pyramid. That place is so good. I feel like that place is so underrated. Uh, San on oh San Angel de I can't remember it either. Um, pyramid one is um oh shoot I'm starting to forget names now just because it's all mixing together. But the one yeah. uh, the one across from the from the mine. La, oh, it's La Hacienda La de Hacienda. San Angel. Oh my, there we go. Yeah. Last, so San Angel is the one inside the pyramid, and La Hacienda is the one across from it. Okay. Yeah. So um, that one was my favorite one. Now, I am Mexican, and naturally, I've grown up with Mexican food and so on. So I was like, okay, this isn't going to be anything too off from what I'm expecting, um, especially because it's Disney World. A lot of authentic foods kind of have an American twist to it just to appeal to a broader audience uh -huh. that I'm talking about in terms of food. Yeah. Uh, but my, my mind was completely blown away. And this is me saying this, having eaten at La Cilia in Canada, which everyone swears by. And don't get me wrong, La Cilia was amazing, but I would still rather go La Hacienda if given the choice. Yeah, I've never eaten at La Cilia, but I can definitely uh, attest to um, La Hacienda de San Angel. Um, I, I remember when we went for like 55 bucks, there was like this big platter for two people with all of these meats. Oh my God. It was so good. It was phenomenal. If you ever go back for your appetizer, I highly recommend the corn soup. Oh my God. It's amazing. All right. I'm sold. I'm definitely, I'm definitely <laughs> down. And from, from, we didn't do this from, from what I know is if you're lucky enough, you can actually get a really good seat. Uh, on the World Showcase Lagoon to watch Illuminations uh, because they have window seating by the, uh, right on the lagoon there. So like Basically, half the restaurant is just one giant window that oversees yeah. the lagoon. So if you're lucky enough to get maybe even a middle dining room or even a window, then yeah, that's like that's perfect seating for illuminations. Yeah, yeah, I know people. A lot of people like to try to do Rose and Crown, but that's another option if you if you want to do that. So, dude, Rose and Crown. Um, I went to Rose and Crown Pub for Christmas because I was working there during the holiday season. So I had my Christmas dinner at Rose and Crown, and yeah, that was a pretty that was a pretty great view too. Uh, nice. So you, you worked at Rose and Crown as well. Oh no 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 no! I um I had finished for the day my work, and I was able to um. Cast members usually aren't allowed to go into the parks using their um, their cast member passes during peak days like Christmas and Thanksgiving and such. Um, I was a little sneaky and I went through the cast service entrance and I was able to sneak my way into the park. So I went to, you know, for Christmas and I was like, well, it's Christmas. I'm going to go eat somewhere I haven't. And at the time it was Rose Crown Pub. So I went there, got a reservation and I was right there by the water. Oh, nice. That's awesome. <laughs> Uh, that's so cool. All right. So um, what do you think your favorite memory of, I guess, because I know you were there for another time, but during this internship, what was your favorite memory at that time? For that internship, oh, God, there's just so many to pick from. Um, the first one that stands out to you. So, though, I guess, so... In 2012, my I have a dog, and he unfortunately got really ill at the time. And I remember receiving a call from my mom, and I felt a hopeless at the time because I was so far away from him that there was really nothing I could do. It was all to whatever the vets and my parents could do at the time. So um, everyone knows Wishes and the story behind Wishes and how everybody usually makes a wish during the end when the Blue Fairy asks for everyone to make a wish. 
So knowing the news that my dog was in pretty bad shape at the time, I actually went out to Magic Kingdom and I was there for a good seating of wishes. And my wish was to have my dog make it through um, what he was going through. And, you know, lo and behold, you know, through science or magic or whatever you want to call it, he came through pretty well. And while that's not really all on Disney, I do, I do, mm, I'm thankful for that, uh, if you get what I'm saying. No, that, yeah, that's, that's really sweet. I mean, that's, that's great. Um, yeah, no, do- dogs are, I mean, they're special to us. We have one and I've grown up with them and they're, they're family. So it's, it's, some people don't, might not realize that, but dogs are family and it's great that, uh, your wish came them. true. Yeah, that's pretty much the way I view it. I'm like, wow, my my wish that I made out wishes came true, and I'm very very thankful every day for that wish. Yeah, all right, awesome. Um, all right, well, so why don't we transition quickly uh, to your second internship? So you went back in 2014. Was this after you graduated from yes, this college? Yes, this was literally me coming right out of college. Okay, so you were just like, all right, I want to do this again. So was it a professional internship or was it a, similar to the Disney College program? This was another Disney College program experience. I had intended to apply for the professional internship, but due to life just going on at the moment, I wasn't able to apply for the professional version, so I just did another regular one. Gotcha. Okay, so so what did you end up doing? Food and beverage again? So yeah, they put me in food and beverage again, just because when you, um, they basically have you on record, you know, whether you're a college programmer or a regular um, full-timer or seasonal, they have your record on file. So they see what previous roles you've had. So they were like, okay, you were in food and beverage before. We're going to naturally put you into that again. And to me, that made sense. I had applied for different roles with the intent of keeping food and beverage out just because I wanted to experience the other roles Disney had to offer, but like I said before, they will always need bodies for food and beverage. Gotcha. So what did you end up doing this time? So this time I actually have the role that my roommates had, which was outdoor food and beverage at Hollywood Studios. Okay, so outdoor food and beverage, uh, was it like the... It's all of the popcorn carts, all of the ice cream stands. Um, We did the funnel cake stand too over at... Hollywood Studios by um, the Gertie's Dinosaur, the Gertie's Ice Cream Dinosaur location too. So all of those locations. Okay. So out of Blizzard Beach, Magic Kingdom, and Hollywood Studios, which one do you think was your favorite to work in? So if I had to rank them, it would be Magic Kingdom because it was Magic Kingdom. (laughs) Uh, Followed by Blizzard Beach because I had a, um, while it was not the most ideal location, I had a very, very close cast member family there. More so than Hollywood Studios or um, Magic Kingdom. And then I'm going to have to put, um, unfortunately, Hollywood Studios at the bottom just because at the time, there's many factors really, but at the time, Hollywood Studios was kind of in that awkward void where they didn't know where it wanted to be and like half the rides were closed down. Mm. The management experience also wasn't the best i got along great with all the other college programmers that was that was a good thing too so it was another tight-knit family but because of the guest interactions and management for my location at the time it wasn't as good of an experience as my first program was gotcha okay uh yeah that's a that's a shame to hear that though it's that's yeah it's not any fun but i mean as long as you made uh the most of it and you had fun you had good people around you and uh, I think that's that's what matters. So. No, yeah, it's, it's it's for any job. If if you get along with your coworkers and you enjoy your coworkers, that'll help you get through even the rough patches. Cool. 
Um, nice. All right, so we're kind of winding down on time here. Um, we have a little bit less than ten minutes, but so were there were there any other stories between either both internships uh, that you you might want to share that you haven't discussed with or I, I haven't asked about? Was yeah, was there anything else you want to share? Um, not that I can think of off the top of my head. I you know I, I guess another distinct memory that pops up is that cast members have the um, option or opportunities to do like a lot of behind the scene tourist things that most normal people can't really do. So when I was during my first program, I was able to do a behind the scene tour of Mount Everest over at Animal Kingdom. Now, when, when me and some of the other cast members that signed up for the tour arrived, we could not locate our manager who was supposed to meet us there. So unknowingly, we kind of swiped into the cast service side through the side of Animal Kingdom. And we weren't sure if we were allowed to because we saw like a lot of zookeepers going in too. But we were like, well, we don't know how to get into the park because it's so closed right now. Nobody's really here to help us. So we're just going to try and sneak through. Um, Animal Kingdom is huge. It's the biggest park out of them all. And that's naturally so because they needed to house all the animals. So what some people don't know is that Animal Kingdom, their back lots for the cast members, they use bicycles for their transportation. So when we swiped in, there was like a whole rack of just bicycles there. So we all- that is, up... <laughs> That's so cool. I'd never heard of that. <laughs> we didn't know about that either. We were just like, these are here. Can we just, can we just take them? So it was me and the, um, I think there was maybe like six or seven of us in total. We just took the bicycles and we just rode as close as we could get to Asia. And then once we were able to find a sign that said, you know, this is the entrance over into the Asia, um, part of Animal Kingdom where Everest is, we kind of just like left the bikes there and just like ran into Asia and that's where we found our manager. So we never told anyone that, but um, yeah, I if, if you ever happen yourself on the back lot of Animal Kingdom, they use bikes for transportation. That's so funny. Um, what, so, because it's the, the first person that I interviewed on the show, he also did that same tour. So you were able to go up into the mountain and, and see the Yeti and all that, correct? Yes. Um, yes, he was terrifying. Um, he was huge. Um, I know that he was standing up straight because I know originally, um, I've never experienced the ride in its original form. I know originally the Yeti was supposed to be coming down, you know, trying to swipe at you mm -hmm. when you're on the roller coaster. But they, from what I was told, they originally they had to get rid of that part of the ride in the sense where it swiped at you because the the Imagineers that imagine that created the ride and designed the ride did not put into account how much the Yeti actually weighed. So every time he would come down to swipe at you, he was actually bringing part of the, the mountain that he was attached to down with him. So I don't know how many people actually know that, but that's what I was told by the, by the tour people that were giving us our tour experience. So that's why they put him up front now instead. And so he no longer swipes at you because he was actually bringing the whole place down. Wow, I never knew that part. I mean, I knew that if they need to fix this thing, they have to close it down for maybe six or more months or even longer to refurb it to like, I know, make make it more structurally uh, structurally sound inside. In order for them to actually fix him, they would, they would have to very literally open up a hole in the mountain to remove him. And he weighs like a good ton or so. Yeah, yeah, no, that's what I've heard. And I, I have a... I feel like now that Avatar is open, they could do that because they, I feel like there are enough other attractions in Animal Kingdom to like finally warrant them fixing that, but maybe now it's not worth now, the money. 
Sorry? Now there is. That was. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, Bam, you're right. Now there is. That was the rumor going around was that once Avatar were open, that would give them a chance to close down Everest to do the refurbishment for that. Whether or not that will actually happen, um, I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I. It's all rumors. Uh, I go. I go to these forums, uh, wdwmagic.com, and there's like it's called the Yeti Watch, and like it's just like. <laughs> It started, I think it started back in like 2008 or 2009 or something like that. And mm-hmm. people still post through that same thread on this day, just talking about the Yeti. It's, <laughs> yeah. So who knows if it'll, it'll actually happen. And um, um, I guess just as like a last thing I want to throw in there, I, I can't believe I completely forgot this because this is one of the most mem- memorable things I got to experience as a cast member was I was actually there for the opening of New Fantasyland. So I was actually a part of the opening crew back in 2012 for that. So um, when New Fantasyland opened up in the tunnels underground, they had this whole little thing going on where they set it all up like a circus for the cast members and they were giving out pins for being an opening customer. So I have an official um, customer Disney pin that says, thank you for being a part of the opening crew. So I'm like, I'm a part of Disney history in the sense that I was part of the opening customers that helped open up New Fantasyland. Yeah, that I mean, that's definitely unique. That was a big deal. That was a that's really big a, deal. It was, and I remember opening day and seeing celebrities um, like um, Jennifer Goodwin, who played Snow White in Once Upon a Time. Oh, uh, cool, yeah. Um, I tried getting a selfie with her, but unfortunately, this other lady cut me off, and I will never forgive that lady. Oh, cutting me off. <laughs> but um, it was it was a pretty big thing, you know. Be our guest had just opened up. Um, yeah, it was it was huge. Oh yeah, no, it's they did a really great job with it. I think the biggest issue I have with it there there's not a lot of shade or like places to to kind of get cover. Like it's pretty open. Um, No, you're right about that. There isn't a lot in terms of that. If you go over towards Ariel's Grotto, you have a little bit more shade-like area. But like, if you're doing like Enchanted Tales of Bell, there's no shade for that line at all until you get to the front. Oh wow! Under the sun for that, and then I think maybe the reason for that is that you can kind of go cool off over in like the water area for the kids and you know soak up over there if you want to. (laughs) Yeah, but not many adults are really keen on that. So no. I still have to do Enchanted Tales with Belle. Um, I mostly want to see it because of the audio animatronics. The portal is the best part. Yeah, um, I, I've I, I've been refusing to watch videos because I, I mean I I hear how cool it is, so and it's, it's worth watching or what seeing. Little kids in terms of the experience, but adults can enjoy it too. It's really um, it's corny, but I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't pulled in to join in on the spectacle as a um, performer yeah. on several occasions. I don't know if it's maybe because I'm the, I'm the most enthusiastic out of all the adults there. <laughs> but, um, no, I'm, I'm with you. I would go right up there too. Cause I know they pull up adults like to become knights and stuff like that into the show. And I've been a knight several times and yeah. it's not, sometimes not even trying. I'm guessing I'm just one of, I don't know, maybe just out of the group of adults I'm with, I'm maybe the one that looks more into it than the other. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, yeah. So time is kind of running, running out. Um, any, I'm going to ask you one more question, but are there any last words, any, anything else you want to share before, before we close it out? Um, I definitely recommend the Disney college program to anyone who's ever had the inkling to venture away from home. You know, aside from everything I learned working for Disney, I learned a lot about myself just being out there on my own. Cause when you're working for Disney, 
um, living in their apartments, you're more or less really supporting yourself. You know, you buy your own groceries, you doing your own laundry, which a lot of people experience when they're doing in college. But when you're out there working for them, it kind of feels like you're, you know, out of college, that you're living on your own and supporting yourself. So you get a taste of what the real world might be like. And I'm grateful for that because I was able to learn a lot about myself and help improve myself in terms of those situations. I mean, that's that's great advice. That's that's really good advice. And I I haven't heard any bad things about the program yet. So um, cool. So my my last question for you is uh, I always like to ask what uh, your favorite background music loop is or any of the music from the parks, because what I like to do is I like to play that in the background of the episode. So in terms of this one, I was actually pretty fond of the background music of Liberty Square. Um, I was around the Sleepy Hollow area, so they had like colonial music playing on in the background. Um, Wishes was also a big background for me because I was I heard it almost every single night. But in terms of yeah, in terms of regular background music, it was usually the colonial music playing at Liberty Square. Nice. That's actually one I don't listen to too often. Um, uh, but I'm now I'm going to have to for you. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, Eric, uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I had a great time. I'm, I, I mean, I hope you did at least. No, I did. I, this was a new thing for me. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. No problem. Yeah, I'm glad um, uh, Laura, right? It was our, our mutual friend Laura had uh, suggested you come on the show. Yes, me and Laura have been friends since high school, so she's very much well aware of my um, Disney proclivities. I had, she was the one I went to with for New Year's in 2015. Oh, awesome! Yeah, I was I still I don't remember because I worked with her several years ago, but I I remember her going to Disney for Thanksgiving one year. Um, no, weren't Thanksgiving. Uh, that might have been before because I know she went okay. prior. To- year gotcha uh, were you guys working at the um graphic design firm yes yeah mm-hmm. the yeah. one the one in the financial district yep yep we were there together so i think she was still there with you guys but this was just the second time around gotcha okay cool all right well anyways i i'm glad that she uh she mentioned you because this was awesome and i really appreciate you coming on the show sure no problem thank you so much for having me nope. if you have any more questions from a customer's perspective please don't be afraid to ask yes will do yeah you're always you're always welcome back so but uh all right well well i hope you have a good night and uh, i hope you have a great holiday I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Eric, once again, it was a pleasure speaking with you. Uh, I had a lot of fun. And guys, I really hope you enjoyed this episode. It was sure fun bringing you the adventures of, of Eric and all that he had to do at the Disney College program. So 
And if you want to be on the show at some point, if you were a previous Disney cast member and you want to share your own experiences or adventures or your tips and tricks and insights, whatever you want to talk about, uh, we can. If you want to be on the show, please reach out to me and we will schedule an interview as soon as, uh, as, soon as my calendar permits. So we have uh, plenty of time to do that. So if you want to just reach out so if you if anyone wants to reach out to me if you, you can shoot me an email over at excesspresspodcast at gmail.com uh if you if any listeners have any questions comments tips uh you can and again if you're a previous disney cast member you can reach out there you guys can also find me on social media at excess press podcast on instagram twitter and facebook and you can an easy way to connect with us is just by going to the website at excesspresspodcast.com. You have every every link imaginable to bring you to any podcast platform if you want to subscribe. And if you're not subscribing already, make sure you do so. Hit that subscribe button. Uh, you can do that on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or pretty much however you listen to podcasts. But yeah, so thanks for tuning in and for your support of the show. I hope you guys have a great rest of the week. This is Matt from the XS Press Podcast signing off. Until next time, travelers. We hope to see you next week. And remember to seize the future with excess. Bon voyage.